Um, sales process. Implement a really solid sales process. Know exactly how, but you should be able to look at, um, you should be able to look at on a piece of paper and know exactly what happens. When you find a lead, you need to know exactly what you do to a lead to get them onto a meeting. You need to know exactly what you're going to say into the meeting to get them to the next meeting. If you have a two-step meeting, if you only have one, that's fine. Our today's guest is Oliver Duffy Lee. Now, this conversation with him is a little long and I loved it personally because it gives you core and core idea of building relationship before doing sales. Oliver started his career as a copywriter in a full servicing agency. Within five years, he was an agency director, bringing in over four million pounds in revenue each year. Now, this is a good part that I liked about him. Today, he helps startup agencies to scale and grow. He has a mastermind group called Launchpad, where he helps their members grow 20k pound a month in revenue and is growing each day let's listen to the conversation with oliver hey Oli, how are you doing hey jayesh uh, i'm really good my friend how are you i'm doing good how's the weather there the weather my god uh, it's uh, actually it's it's raining really hard right now and it's pretty cold mm-hmm it's humid over here and when we start the fan it's a little kind of cozy weather so neither we can start a fan or an ac or oh, we can turn the window on because it's humid out there to be fair it can't be worse than here man i'm sorry i'm, not, I'm jealous mm -hmm. all right so how are you doing to your work i, I was actually impressed by the yesterday night session that we had, I think it was night at my side. It was evening in UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had a, one of our Launchpad group sessions last night and you came along as a guest. We have them every every Tuesday at 7 p.m. And um, we have a, a few of our members are from India and they tune in every Tuesday, well, actually every Wednesday at half past midnight, which is uh, really, really cool, to be honest. Yeah, it's 12.30 to 1.30, I remember. <laughs> yeah, it's good effort, man. Well done. Mm -hmm. One was uh, named as Himanshu. I do not remember the name of the other guy. Shibesh. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's start the podcast episode number two with Oliver Duffy Lee. So, Oli, I'm going to ask you a few questions, all right? And the first question I'm going to ask you is, how did your journey begin? And that includes the challenges, the phase of failure and the phase of rejection. And I'm, I'm also willing to know that how you started the program Launchpad 
Sure. Well, dude, um, I'll try and uh, keep it brief. I'll try and keep my entire life story quite brief. Um, in short, I grew up in, uh, in North London um, and went to university in Birmingham. And I never, when I was young, I never really uh, knew what I wanted to do. I don't think many people do, to be honest. Uh, but I was lucky enough, I knew I liked, quite liked writing, and I was lucky enough to get a job straight out of university with a full-service marketing agency. Uh, I'd never done anything on marketing before, to be honest. I wasn't even that interested in it, but uh, I knew I could have, have the opportunity to write stuff. And so, um, yeah, I became a copywriter, basically. And about eight years on, I was at that agency for eight years, and in that time, I transferred from <clears throat> copywriting to account management and then to account Director, directorship and sales, and then finally I was a director in the in the company, and uh, it was a really really nice journey. And don't don't get me wrong, it wasn't easy. Uh, definitely one of the hardest parts, uh, the biggest challenges I would say um, when I went into sort of more senior roles was that at the time I was quite young, and uh, we had big clients. We had clients like Volvo, we had clients like FedEx, um, we had clients like um, Porsche, for example. And, you know, stepping into a meeting with really senior management managers at, um, in Volvo when you're 25, 26 years old and people do consider you to be too young, it was a big challenge for me at that point, especially when I had to be pitching for work and had to be uh, winning work. That feeling of feeling like you're an imposter and uh, feeling like people think you're too young to be there, that was probably one of the biggest challenges, I think, at that time. And so we grew, uh, my, um, my team and my clients grew uh, until about this time last year when I left the company. And by that point, we were, our, our clients, our group of clients, we were selling about four million pounds worth of creative services every single year, which was a huge growth. We'd grown that from about 25,000 pounds worth of services a year to four million. It was really, really nice uh, and it was a great journey. But it was very clear to me um, at that point that I needed to change. And my plan, frankly, uh, Jayesh, was to set up my own agency. That was always the plan. And um, I was about, I'd say, two weeks away from doing that. And it just felt like it was not really the right time. I definitely still have plans to do that in the future. Definitely felt like it wasn't the right time. And I was already doing some mentorship with agency owners. I was already helping certain agency owners or buddies that I had to win clients. And so I just decided to be a full-time agency owner, business coach, and had no idea. I'd never done coaching really before. I'd done some mentorship, had no idea what to do. And um, about a year later now, um, it's been an amazing, amazing year. And I have this uh, wonderful group of people. Uh, we've got about 25 members in Launchpad. And uh, we come together, we work every uh every week to try and get them to scale. And generally the, the people that come into Launchpad are startup agencies or young agencies. And um, we try and get them to 20,000 pounds a month in monthly recurring revenue. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's sort of a brief history of, of my life there. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you from the last point that you said 20,000 pounds per month. So is it going to happen from the very first month or it's going to happen in a time duration of six or three months? Uh, we aim to get everyone to £20,000 within one year. Within okay. Year. We think it depends on where you start. If you're starting from less than five grand, then it should take you, it could take you about a year. If you are um, 
you know, already doing 12 to 15 grand already, you could easily get there in, I don't know, uh, 30 days or 60 days. It really depends on where you are and depends on how ambitious you are and how much work you put in, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yesterday's session, I saw you standing and taking the session. So I thought, let's have a recording with Ollie <laughs> instead of uh, sitting on a chair Let's stand up with Ollie. That was the first thing. When I got this office, that was the first thing. Um, we had to make sure the desks were standing desks. But even so, like, you know, you still need like a stand for your laptop. So it's all up in the air. But um, yeah, man, much more energy, uh, much more, much more dynamic when you're standing, I think. Mm -hmm. I've seen my mentor doing the same thing. Um, he, he records everything while he's standing even though when he's interviewing someone yeah and i think it is more energetic comparatively completely agree man completely agree mm -hmm. so i would also like to know the point of search in your career mm. and from where it has never shown a downfall because you know you have left the company working in a corporate yeah. in a secured space and then later you started your own company uh, and it was the program called Launchpad. Yeah. And I think you have your own website. No no website is associated with launchpad.com or something like that. Yeah, so um, I, I like the question. Um, I think what I, what I would say is, look, there's, there's never been a point. There's definitely been turning points, big, big points which have changed the course of my life. But there's never been a point where I've just thought, oh, after this point, there'll be no failure. And actually, <clears throat> failure has become... <laughs> this sounds quite funny. Failure has become such an, an integral part to the way I work and, the, and my business and my life that you can't ever say there's a point of no failure, right? It's always, always going to be a part of it. I mean, even last week, I can point you to three or four big failures, um, which I've looked at over the weekend. I thought, okay, this is how we're going to move on. It happens all the time. But I would say, I get your point. I understand your, what you're saying. And I think what you're referring to is like these big turning points uh, in life. And um, there's definitely a couple. So there was one where um, I would say one of the biggest turning points in my early agency career was um, when I won a very big project. And, and we were, I had just won Volvo as a client, uh, which is a massive win for us, but we weren't doing very much stuff with Volvo. So we were doing small um, projects with the training department, with the competence development department. Uh, we were doing some brochures, some training materials, some videos, but nothing really big. And we had an opportunity to pitch for a project which was frankly an absolute beast. Um, it was a massive internal comms strategy. And we didn't really uh, think we had a big chance. But anyway, we pitched for it, um, put a lot of work into the pitch, and we won the pitch. And that was a project which over three years was worth two and a half million pounds for us. And I think for me, that was a huge turning point because that was me thinking, okay, yeah, absolutely, you can uh, compete at that level. Not saying it's the highest level, but I knew I could compete at that level, which was much bigger than I thought. And it meant that I had to up my game because when I was sitting in a room with people who were going to pay me and my company two and a half million pounds, you've got to show up and you've got to show up right. So that was a massive turning point, I would say, in that career. And then this year, um, I would say actually one of the biggest turning points that I had was uh, starting to work with a mentor of mine, a coach of mine, um, whose name is uh, Taki Moore. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. Um, anyone that's in the coach space will have heard of him. And really learning from this guy, uh, implementing his processes, 
um, that's just absolutely skyrocketed my business. Uh, and I think, you know, there's two things, there's two lessons there. From the first lesson, it's you never know what you're capable of. You can always, always, even if you think something's too far out of reach, go for it because the worst thing that happens is you learn. And the second point from the second lesson is reach out and find people who have been there and done that stuff because they're going to speed up your process. They're going to speed up your journey. Um, yeah, I'd say those two points, my friend. Mm -hmm. So as you said, you have worked with very big clients yeah. like FedEx and Volvo. So I would like to know more about this process that how you approach big clients in sales, how do you win them? Because as I asked you the question in yesterday launchpad um, uh, session, that how can I approach big companies with the same process that you shared with me? I will com come at the process later that what was the process and all the things. But I would like to know more that how can we approach the very big giant companies and win them easily? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a really great question. So uh, the first thing is it's not easy. So you can't win them easily ever. Um, so there's two different things. What, what um, I used to do uh, when I was working in corporate was I would be targeting really big international companies. And what I teach now generally is how to uh, win business from business owners and smaller companies like that. So if we take the B2B, the really uh, like top end stuff like Volvo, um, then really you need an in. Approaching these companies cold is really, really hard. And so uh, what worked really well for me uh, was that I would basically, I had my group of um, my network, I had people that I had worked with before, and I followed them around. So if one of them got a job at Volvo, for example, or for example, one of them moved to Japan and started working for Porsche, that was also how I started working with Porsche, I was very good at keeping those relationships and making sure when they had an opportunity for me, I was ready to there. And it wasn't like we were speaking enough that it wasn't like I picked up the phone because, and they, they thought I was just fishing. We were speaking anyway. We had a personal relationship. So I think really when it comes to um, big B2B sales, it's really about leveraging the people you know, making sure you have genuine personal relationships with them so that when they move into an opportunity or a position, you're there for them. And I think, I don't know if there's, a, I don't know what uh, necessarily what your audience demographic is, but if there's a lot of younger people um, listening to this. And when I say younger people, I mean like between the ages of 20 to 30, right? Now, all of, all of your network, you look around, I hear this from like 25, 26 year olds a lot. And they'll say to me, you know, um, your network's big because you've got friends in big positions and all this sort of stuff. The thing is, your network when you're 25, 26, those people in five, 10, 15 years time, they're gonna be in seriously important positions. And you need to make sure that not only are you keeping a genuine relationship with those people, but you recognize the ones that are going to take you to that next step. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really, really important. When it comes to selling to business owners, um, that's, a lot, that's a much easier process. And that can be done much easier with direct, cold outreach, uh, organic, and even paid and things like that. But I think when it comes to the big international business, um, you really, really, it's a really relationship based thing and, uh, you really got to leverage your network. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. So as we have discussed about the big giants, let's come on to the medium and the small size businesses also all together. So 
what is the best digital strategy an agency should adopt and startup agency should adopt to approach small or medium-sized businesses? Yeah, good question. So there's kind of, I would say, um, if you take if you take that that startup span from naught pounds a month to twenty thousand pounds a month, really there's three ways that you can win business. Um, there's probably four or five, but I I, would, I focus on three ways: um, organic, uh, I focus on cold outreach, and I focus on paid. Yeah. So let's talk about paid for a second. Uh, I wouldn't even put your hand in your pocket on a, and spend it on an advert until you're earning over ten k a month. And there's loads of different reasons for that. The main reason is that it takes a while to get going and you might need to invest. Me, with, with our Launchpad clients, we've got some clients have been booking meetings for, we've had as little as six pounds. That was a super crazy uh, funnel. But we have people booking meetings for like 30 or 40 pounds uh, per lead. But the thing is, it doesn't just happen immediately. That could take an investment of 500 to 1,000 pounds in getting to that point, tweaking your ads, tweaking your funnel, tweaking your messaging, tweaking your creative, it's just a long game and it takes a bit of investment up front. So unless you're earning 10K plus, forget about advertising, right? So that leaves you with organic and it leaves you with cold outreach. Let's talk about organic. So organic um, is a really, really great way to uh, win business over a long space of time, okay? But there's two things that people, there's two mistakes that people make with organic. The first mistake is that they just do what I would call post and hope. And so if you imagine there's sort of a spectrum and on the one side, you've got uh, really salesy people who are on organic, all they're doing is selling all the time. Listen to this course, I've got this amazing thing, and looks, uh, opt into my lead magnet, all this stuff, just selling all the time on organic, that's never gonna work. Most people are down the other end, which is just giving all the time, not asking for anything. Just giving value after day, after day, after day, after day, after day. And that is a really good process. Um, if you have the quality and the time and the commitment to do it day after day, that will build you a good audience. And then from that audience, you can reach in and pick out clients, right? Most people I found don't have the time or the talent to be posting stuff on uh, Instagram every day. For example, um, to do what uh, your previous guest, Matt King, does on Instagram, that takes an immense amount of talent and it takes an immense amount of time commitment. And what he does is really impressive. But it's, I don't think that the normal person can just do that level of, of commitment to organic all the time. It's really immense effort. So what you need to do then is you need to find yourself somewhere in the middle of those two ends. And you need to sort of be near the organic side, near the giving side. But occasionally you need to ask people if they want something and to put their hand up to want something. And what I would call there is some sort of like a magnet post. So you might post something saying, I don't know, I just made a video which helps, which is the three ways to get your agency to 10K a month. Would you like me to send you a link? And then a load of people say, yeah, I would like you to send me a link. And then guess what? You're in conversation with those people and that's making organic work for you, okay? So I think organic's good, but you need to you make it work for you a bit harder. And then finally, cold outreach, which I think is a really fantastic way to work. Um, but it's got to be this lovely combination of automated and personalized. You've got to have the automated side because you need to hit those numbers every day, but personalized because right now, if you don't personalize it, and I don't mean just changing the first name and spamming them, I mean like personalizing it properly. Um, if you don't do that, I don't think people are going to answer you. Mm -hmm. 
So when it comes to the point of personalization, I remember the things that you taught in yesterday's session. So would you mind sharing those five hot principles that you shared in the session? <laughs> yeah, of course. I don't think I can go through all, all five principles, but here's the idea. Um, basically, what you need to do, and what we talked about last night, it was a very tactical session last night. So what we were talking about was teaching the method of reaching out to people through personalized video. And, you know, there's lots of different ways you can do that. Um, the way we were talking about is, is recording Loom videos uh, over people's website and just as a way to get their attention because when someone sees a little video with their with your face over their website, pop into their LinkedIn mailbox, I think the likelihood is they're probably going to click on it and they're probably going to answer it. So then it's just a case of, um, of introducing yourself in a way which is really snappy and concise. Now, here's, here's a mistake that I see a lot of people make uh, when it comes to selling to business owners. And people go into uh, prescription mode before they diagnose. And if you imagine you're going to the doctor, uh, what will happen is generally a doctor will ask you a hell of a lot of questions. They won't, they, they won't, it's not like you walk in the door and the doctor just says, right, I'm just looking at you. Uh, I can tell you need this sweet, this uh, medicine, this medicine, this medicine. They don't do that. They sit down, they listen to you, they ask you some questions, they write down, and then they give you uh, a prescription or they give you a diagnosis. And I think a lot of us uh, agency owners, we go into prescribing mode before we really know what the real problem is. And so my advice is whenever you're reaching out, even if you're recording a Loom video over someone's website, resist the urge to tell them what could be better about their website. Resist the urge to tell them what you do. Um, not what you do, but what you could do for them. Just tell them generally what it is you do, the specific results you get, and ask them if they're interested, um, but in a personalized way. I think that's the, that would be the really way to go. And that, by the way, is summarizing about an hour and a half's training in a minute. So obviously there's more nuance to it than that. I think most of the people forgot the diagnosis phase and they just are selling by mailing you on your email or sending your LinkedIn DM that we are doing this, this and this. Would you mind to be by our service? I have seen one person on my LinkedIn recently. So what he asked upfront was, this is my YouTube channel. You can subscribe to this. I share a lot of value. And if you want audit report, I can help you with that. And he was doing same thing that I do SEO. And he approached me for the same. <laughs> so like an SEO guy is approaching an, another SEO guy. And literally he sent me the report just today to be very honest with you. I, this morning when I opened my LinkedIn, there was a video, yeah. not, not video, but and page redirecting me to his website, showing all the audits that he has done. And it was almost similar. I think there was some automation tool that he has bought for this same thing, an API sort of thing, you can say. I was, I cannot share you the name of the person who shared me this thing, yeah. but I can share you this experience that he said that one SEO guy approached him with a video showing his website in the back background in a green screen yeah 
a part of video was just showing his website that we can get connected as I saw your website and all the things and later his face was disappeared from the whole video and it was sort of a general thing that he was doing he has recorded the audio for the very first time and then what he yeah. was doing he was recording first few seconds of the video and showing everything in background and I think that is not alleged thing to do to be very honest with you I've, I've seen that and actually this is i got approached by someone um in a very similar way uh they were exact i was exactly their target and they they approached me with a video um of their face over my website and they even went into they were selling facebook ads they even went into the facebook ads library and they were looking at the ads i was running and all that sort of stuff and i thought it was really smart uh, and that's how i got the idea to start doing new videos like this but the thing is this it was very obvious after a while that it was just the same video they were showing over my stuff. There was nothing bespoke about it. And the thing I think with marketing, especially with cold outreach is if you're willing to do the stuff where everyone else is trying to do a shortcut. So if you're actually going to do the videos personalized for each individual person, you're going to get much better rates because simply because you're going to be the only one doing it. Um, shortcuts tend to reduce uh, conversion rates I've found in my life. Yeah. Because people forgot to personalize things and what they do is they just want to get the client in their funnel by spending a little time. But I like your approach yesterday night nice. and it was pretty much, uh, you can say good. I think you said you can send a video to 30 people in a day. It would take a 45 minutes time if I'm not wrong. Yeah, 45 minutes to an hour. Probably at first it'll take you about an hour, maybe an hour and 10. And then you get a bit quicker mm -hmm. and it gets a bit easier. Mm -hmm. I've done something like same as we were discussing before starting the recording yeah. and it has not shown me a good results because I have not sent the video at the very first approach. I was asking them, are you the right person to share this video? And I've read some article doing the same thing okay. and the rate of getting yes was very much low. I've get, got seven or eight yes out of sending 50 or more than that emails. Here's the thing though, in cold outreach, people automatically think that um, when you go to, cold re to reach out cold to someone, people assume you're going there to take something from them. So the only way you can, um, you can counteract that is by making it look like you're giving them a present, you're giving them something. And if you ask them the question, are you the right person to speak to, to, to send this video to, it goes and they, they sound like, okay, they're in take mode. Whereas if you just say, look, hey, really cool to be connected. I made this video for you. It's a gift, right? So I think the way you frame it is really important. And also, you know, it's true. You have to do volume as well to get really substantial uh, results as well. Mm -hmm. I, I will take it into my strategy from today itself, to be very honest with you. Nice. So I'm going to ask you a question. How do you leverage your digital platform to grow your practice? So to grow my business, Mm -hmm. To be honest, mate, I think um, I think I'm quite weak on that area. So, like in terms of like uh, social media, in terms of digital marketing and stuff like that, um, I don't I don't do too much organic, and so I don't spend too much time trying to grow my profiles. I, I think LinkedIn is my exception. LinkedIn, I've got like fourteen thousand uh, followers or something like that, and LinkedIn is an exception for me. But if I look at Facebook, if I look at Instagram. Um, YouTube, definitely. I find it hard to commit to uh, growing those platforms, but the way I leverage them, 
the way I leverage them is by having a super strict sales process. And it means that it doesn't matter what platform uh, I'm connecting with people on. All I'm trying to do is create an environment where people want to uh, put their hand up and say, I want your service. Or if I approach them, they're happy to hear from me because they've seen me uh, or the way I approach them is in a nice, warm way. So really, all I'm trying to do is enter people at the top of my sales process and then uh, and then just move them along if they're a right fit. And I think, I don't know, the best advice I can give to anyone in terms of trying to make sales online is make sure you've got a super strict, very uh, professionalized sales process and make sure you follow it very religiously and get every single prospect into that process because it will take all the thinking out of what you have to do and it will improve your conversion rates massively. So uh, I guess the answer to that question is by implementing a strong sales process and making sure I knew how to get people into the top of it consistently. Mm -hmm. What about you, my friend? What's your sales process? You have a, you have something very strict or? Um, nothing as of now, okay. nothing strict, but I am trying to leverage LinkedIn more. Yeah because I'm trying to be more a P2P person, person to person, <laughs> instead of a B2C or B2B kind of person. Because at the end of the day, people do not care about result. They care about the relation. 100%. To be very right. This is why I love selling to business owners, because it feels like what you just said, P2P. It feels like we're just two people chatting. And if we can work together and it works for both of us, let's do it. And for small and medium-sized businesses, it's majority of the time P2P, person-to-person. And even it comes to an enterprise level, a company which has more than 50 employees, P2P is always going to work as you shared that you were trying to build a relationship with an employee in FedEx or in another company or Volvo kind of yeah. company. 100%. 100%. All right. And... I would like to ask you this question. I was viewing this video from Pat Flynn today, oh. this afternoon. Um, he said that he, he was listening to a Clubhouse audio room. Yeah. And what happened was people were discussing a little about is Clubhouse going to replace podcasting or not. And majority of them said no. What are your takes on Clubhouse? And I would also like to know from your end that why Clubhouse is only for iOS as of now. <laughs> I have no idea, mate. I don't know why Clubhouse is only iOS. I think maybe it makes it, it means that they can uh, keep the numbers small early on. I think that's, listen, I think the exclusivity of Clubhouse, um, the, the fact that it's iOS only, the fact it's invite only, it's worked really well as a marketing as a marketing plan. It's it's built some serious hype. It's delivered this amazing like uh, desire for people to get involved. I think it's really smart. Um, now, as for will it replace podcasting, I would say probably not. That there, there, there's so uh, so Clubhouse is drop in audio chats basically audio rooms where you drop in and there's usually speakers speaking and you can either jump up and ask questions or you can just listen in. At the moment, and I think Clubhouse is going to change a lot, but at the moment, the amount of time you need to invest into just time into listening to it, jumping from room to room in order to extract little bits of value is disproportionate. You have to invest loads of time to extract that much value. And I think what podcasting has got really right 
is with the right podcasts, you can put it on for 15 minutes each day and you get some immense value just straight away. Yeah. So I think Clubhouse needs to mature. It needs to work out how to um, deliver value quicker and on scale. Uh, I don't think it will replace podcasting because it's podcasting is very passive and Clubhouse is very active at the moment. Um, but it's an interesting time, man. It's an interesting thing. And, and I think when they open up to Android, because I think most of the uh, world uses Android overall, once it opens up to Android, I think the whole thing is going to explode. And it's going to change a lot. Um, so, yeah, it's a very interesting thing. Okay. What should be an ideal strategy for 2021, a digital strategy that you should suggest to me or anyone listening to this episode? <laughs> Um, sales process, implement a really solid sales process, know exactly how, but you should be able to look at, um, you should be able to look at on a piece of paper and know exactly what happens when you find a lead, you need to know exactly what you do to a lead to get them onto a meeting. You need to know exactly what you're going to say into the meeting to get them to the next meeting. If you have a two-step meeting, if you only have one, that's fine. Um, and then you need to know exactly how you onboard them. So make sure that process is really, really tight and really repeatable because I think um, a, lot of, a lot of people leave money on the table, they lose leads because frankly, they just don't know what to do when a lead comes in. And here's the thing, this is uh, one of, something that uh, we talk about in Tacky Moore sessions, but he's, his point is this, if you don't have a process for selling, you will always be at the mercy of your clients or your prospects' process for buying. And generally, their process for buying will be things like negotiate hard, uh, delay a lot, and then generally avoid or run away. And if that's your sales process, letting them control that, you're not going to sell anything. So main thing I can say, and by the way, just full disclosure, I'm a sales guy, I always have been. So of course, I'm going to talk about sales process. But in my world, the quickest way to get you from you know, having average months to having five-figure months every month is a really strong, consistent sales process. Um, but I'm talking more about a digital platform at this point. What should be a good digital platform anyone should adopt? Oh, dude, all of them, any of them, whatever. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's um as much as much as you have time to, to do. This is the thing, and I, can't, I guess you asking that question kind of highlights my point, right? People are always worrying about, how do I get traffic? How do I get leads? What platform should I buy on? It doesn't matter. What matters is what you do with that lead when you get them in. And my experience is that most people spend all their time worrying about where they should be, what they should be posting, all that stuff, and then they get a lead and they're useless at converting them. So look, my, my advice is try all of them, Here's my experience. I love uh, LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is perfect. The reason I love LinkedIn is because um, people uh, tend to be more approachable when you want to do business with them. And LinkedIn is set up in a way that I can look at someone's profile and I can know kind of within 20 seconds, 30 seconds, if they're a perfect target for me or they're not. Yeah. I also do some hunting on Facebook. I do a little bit of hunting on Insta. Um, and the reason I don't like those as much is because one, the lead quality is lower generally for me. And two, I can't immediately just see how good a prospect they are. For example, 
Uh, one of the key um, categories for me in terms of a prospect is how many employees does that company have? Normally speaking, if a company has more than 10 employees, they probably have scaled beyond the 20K mark, so they, know they don't need my help. I can see that immediately on LinkedIn, but I can't see it on Facebook, I can't see it on Instagram. Sometimes I get into a chat on Instagram and find out I'm talking to a guy or um, a girl whose company has 150 people in it. Well, they don't need my help, but I've already spent all that time working on them and, and talking to them. Does that make sense? So for me, um, LinkedIn is, is the one, but I don't like to talk too much about platforms because it's more important about what you do with the leads once you get them. Um, in the very first episode with Matt, yeah. um, we discussed a little about Clubhouse, yeah. a little about Instagram and also about YouTube. So he suggested that YouTube is going to be evergreen platform because it keeps evolving. It, it keeps updating the platform. And these are these two terms are the same I shared with Matt. But for Instagram, it is going to be dead soon in one or one and a half year because uh, like the Facebook dead, the Instagram is also going to die. Let's see. They have invented Reels. People are performing very well. They are getting much good views in Reels. But let's see. the. That's interesting. This, the thing is, I don't, I don't think Facebook is dead. I think Facebook's a, a great place to go hunting. Especially, I think, I think what's dead in Facebook is using Facebook business pages. The only thing a, a business page is for is for ads. But I think if you use your personal profile, you can get some really nice things going on on Facebook. And I know, I know people who are who are making millions uh, from their Facebook profile. So I wouldn't say that's necessarily dead. Um, it's really interesting to hear what you and Matt think about Instagram because. To be honest, I, I never really feel that at home on Instagram. I know it's important. I, I kind of enjoy it. But um, yeah, it's interesting to see see what happens. Instagram, it feels like it takes, uh, there's waves of it come through. So like carousels just absolutely took over and it was a carousel platform for a while. Now maybe it's a reels platform and people who used to do loads of carousels are getting annoyed because, you know, they need to do reels all the time. So that's really interesting to hear. I, I, I think you guys are more experts on that stuff than me. Mm-hmm. Three people to follow in 2021 to grow business digitally and why one should follow them. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I, and I'm pleased I knew that you were going to ask me that before because uh, it's the sort of question that you just forget, right? So three people I wrote down. The first was your guest uh, from episode one. I think if you want to know how to grow on Instagram, I, I would follow Matt King. I think the guy seriously knows what he's doing when it comes to that i don't know um if this is true but i know some of his buddies and i think um he's actually learned how to design and the process as well so um that's a great example of like just really being able to look at a platform see what's working and just cr create those results so i think instagram growth follow um uh, follow matt king i think he really knows what he's doing when it comes to um sort of like mindset productivity brain stuff there's a guy called jim quick and I think he's just, uh, he's just phenomenal, man. Like he, he, uh, he talks about speed reading. He talks about memory. He talks about all this stuff. He talks about getting the most out of your day, productivity. And I would say if you want to, if you're into that stuff, I think you're going to enjoy Jim Quick's content. That's really, really nice. And um, then I, I thought about on LinkedIn, right? And there's a guy who super young, uh, very new. He hasn't grown. He hasn't blown up at all yet, but I've been following him. Um, 
and I think he really knows what he's doing, a guy called Sam Winsbury. And um, he'll probably be really surprised to hear me say this, but I've been watching him. He's, he basically does personal brand for founders, for CEOs, um, and for business owners. And I just think he gets personal brand. He's got great engagement. Um, he knows exactly the sort of questions to be asking, the sort of stuff to be talking about. So if you want to look at personal brand on LinkedIn, follow Sam Winsbury. He's your man. Mm -hmm. What about you, man? Give me some tips. Um, tips about? People to follow. People to follow. I majorly follow one guy, Pat Flynn. He has built a good, good digital platform and he talks about a little of super fans. Yes. And uh, have you heard about the concept of super fan? Uh, I can understand. So like a really, really strong advocate customer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, there is a guy called Kevin Kelly. He also speaks about the same. A super fan is the person who can pay you a hundred dollar. You need few of the super fans like you can calculate the amount what you need to spend for living and what you need to do for business kind of thing like keeping them happy and engaging with them and then you can figure out the amount and then you can charge with the subscription model but your content should be very epic in that then next i follow christo i consider him as a mentor of mine and the reason why because he more talks about sales the process and all the things on his channel his channel is the future yeah. and i love his content like each and every video i was inspired by one of his video initially when i used to work in corporate and so that video i don't know how much time i have seen that video every time i used to feel down in job like you know in a corporate space where the people who are working are basically promoted on the basis of the experience not on the basis of the knowledge and yeah. the innovative ideas they have that's true so at that time when i used to feel low i just used to have a headphone on my desk <laughs> and i used to hear him a lot and that one 35 minute video each and every word of that video is in here so whenever he I listen to the video now. I'm going to speak the same words that he says, to be very honest. Yeah, I think Chris, I follow Christo for a while. I think he he's so, so good because he is a designer through and through. And uh, mm -hmm. he really embraces the commercial side of design. I think I think he's amazing, honestly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He has also grown his practice on Instagram through carousels yeah. also. Yeah, it's true. And so the next guy I'm going to suggest you is going to Sean Cannell. He's good at YouTubing. He has a community of Think. So he has multiple platforms like Think Media, Think Marketing and all these things. And I'm currently doing one of his uh, YouTube Mastermind course. It started yesterday night before your session, to be very honest. And it is almost about six to seven days, two sessions a day. And I'm enjoying it very well. I have actually taken the notes from his videos previously also. And also I take notes uh, while I'm on session with him. Cool. Awesome. Thanks for that. And he's a guy of value to follow for YouTube. He shows you like for the very first time when he started YouTube, how he sounds and 
when you see him now on his real videos and he's an you know the guy was here and you can see above this line he has gone to be very honest with you and the confidence he has now is very much good it's so good to see and progress like that i love that mhm i also think like i need to build a little more confidence while speaking on podcast or on video because i'm not much confident and i need to do something out of the world the things that no one is speaking about and so that's that that is a thing like when you notice both of my eyes one is big one is small at the same time because i'm a camera conscious person whenever i'm see camera i'm like when i is small and when becomes a little yeah yeah that, that's the actual case i have seen i i i don't have any good photograph as of now i need to put them on my carousels and on on linkedin but whenever i'm going for a photo shoot <laughs> i become the person <laughs> Mate, you know it's amazing. It's amazing the crazy things people see when they see photos of themselves. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I was looking at my photo shoot with one of my friend, and it was like, who is this guy? Like I was in beard, and I was having a photo shoot. It was uh, four months ago, I think, if I'm not wrong. <laughs> All right. So the time has. come for a bonus tip. Oh wow. I think everything you shared was a bonus and oh. exclusive, but what can you share more and people should leverage that thing. Oh, I do. I think I think it's really simple. I think I think um the biggest thing I I work with a lot of people, a lot of them are trying to start a business, a lot of them are trying to have a really big dream and have and are struggling to even get it off the ground. And I think um uh confidence is the issue. right and people believe people make themselves believe that things aren't right for them really fast so people will try something for one week and then just convince themselves it hasn't worked for one week it's not going to work full stop um and a lot of that is not because of impatience it's because of a lack of belief so the only way to improve your confidence the only way to get stuff to happen is to try a lot of things is to really make loads to happen in the day just do as much action as possible be as experimental as possible put yourself out there as much as possible and uh that's when the magic starts to happen because just don't just don't stop when you feel that first bit of resistance it happens so often man just don't stop when you feel that first bit of resistance the truth is and look i'm not saying um uh, i've made it and i'm successful at all but anything that i have succeeded in there have been at least four or five times along that journey where i've thought oh, i'm not going to make it it's not going to work out i'm not good enough for this and eventually you keep trying hard enough and you keep persisting and it works so i think the only tip is look just realize that there are going to be so many points on this journey where you're not going to you're going to think you're not ready for it or you're not made for it or you just can't do it you can you just need to carry on mhm i think that i have a two books to suggest at this point yeah one is from gary vinerchuk yeah, right. crushing it i think there was first version of this i'm actually reading this right now i i have a target of 10 pages a day and another book that i would like to suggest to build good confidence when you are trying social media is attitude is everything by jeff keller and i have read that 
first book that was the very first book that I have completed myself apart from my uh, studies or you can say school or colleges yeah. that was the very first book I completed myself and I, I was pretty impressed by that book I have given that book away to one of my cousin nice. and to one of my friend I have bought that same book for her to be very honest awesome. with you can I just say on, on crushing it right so I've been following Gary Vee for about five or six years. I think um, probably longer, actually. Uh, I'm a massive, massive fan. Uh, and this is how good this guy is. So that I think the first version of Crushing It, he basically goes to each social media platform and talks about how to, how to crush it on that platform. Years ago, he had a chapter on Musical.ly, music.ly. No one was mm -hmm. using it at the time, right? Musical.ly is now TikTok. And he was talking yeah. about Musical.ly years and years and years ago. And I just think look, the guy, he's a bit, he's a little bit arrogant, but he just loves himself and he's, he's very, uh, he's very confident, but this guy, I mean, uh, yeah, read that book, follow him, listen to him. He's a don. Mm -hmm. And he shares the success stories of the people who have yeah. achieved yeah. the success on, in the online world, e either it's LinkedIn or social media or YouTube, any platform you say. And there is a success story of that particular platform. I have completed reading the story of Pat Flynn uh, recently. Oh, nice. And I'm on the next chapter right now. Nice. Yeah, he's great. Mm -hmm. So the time has come to end the episode. Awesome. So I would like to know where can someone find you? Yeah, well, really easy. Uh, I don't think there's anyone else in the world called Oliver Duffy Lee. So just type oliverduffylee.com into uh, any browser. You'll get my website or on any platform. So Instagram, Oliver Duffy Lee, LinkedIn, Oliver Duffy Lee, you'll find me. Um, and look, I just love to connect. So reach out, say hello, uh, ask me any questions about this. Tell me I'm wrong, challenge me. I'm up for it all. Um, and mate, thanks for having me on. It's been great to, uh, to be here. Thank you for the show. Wish you have a great day ahead. Bye for now. Same to you, man. Hey, I'm Oli Duffy Lee, and you're listening to Upsurge Podcast. <laughs>